0: Welcome to Credit Union Conversations podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, this is Mark Ritter, your host of Credit Union Conversations. I am the CEO of Member Business Financial Services, a business lending CUSO, headquartered here in Pennsylvania, as I talk to you from my home in North Central Pennsylvania, and I'm so glad you could join us today. Please subscribe on your favorite audio network, however you're listening, so that way this show comes right up every two weeks right in your feed, and you can be up to date on our latest guests and information, and hopefully you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy recording it. This will be in September, and hopefully I feel pretty confident Penn State will be 1-0 by the time this drops with a win over West Virginia, which will make my guest extremely happy. So let's bring (laughs) him on. Rick Wargo, how are you doing? I'm great, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me on the program. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> so this Sunday, I am making the four-hour trek to drop my son off at Pitt. So if you could explain to him and the audience why he's making the biggest mistake of his life by not going to Penn State. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, our house is a house divided. My wife uh, went to undergrad at Penn State. Um, we met in law school at the University of Pittsburgh, I might add. Uh, Pitt will be a terrific
0: educational opportunity, and the city of Pittsburgh is a great place to live. Well, wh- one thing I know for certain is it will not be an inexpensive experience for him at Pitt. Because so, I started writing those checks already. Amen, but brother. I, I, I hope he enjoy I think he'll enjoy it and have a good experience. So I had to get that jab in. So, so Fair enough. Rick, give people, uh, just, uh, for, for many of, uh, our listeners will know who you are. They've seen you on the circuit. Uh, but for those of you who aren't familiar with you, kind of give us your, your background, your origin story and what you're up to today.
1: Okay, sure. So. Hopefully the audience won't hold it against me. I'm an attorney by trade, uh, a native son of the Pittsburgh area, as we already mentioned, alum of both University of Pittsburgh undergrad and law school. And my professional career, Uh, I started as a staff attorney for Pennsylvania State Regulator. Then I spent 24 years at What's now known as uh, Cross States Credit Union Association, but we knew it as the League, and then PCUA, where I headed up advocacy and compliance initiatives for for a number of years. Did a brief stint at a very large student loan servicer, and then in 2018 started working with a group of credit unions that. Formulated my current gig, which is I'm the COO of Compliance for Credit Unions, or C4CU. We are a compliance consulting CUSO headquartered in Harrisburg. Our owners are Belco Community, Freedom, and Sun East. We're in our fourth year of official operation, growing slowly uh, and
0: making clients happy. Great, great. And, and I don't know if you realize this, you probably don't. I think you are one of, I, I think the first three people that I've ever met in the credit union space. And we first met actually before I even started working at a credit union, uh, when I was going through my first credit union round of interviews. And we went and met at the PCUA office about the business lending queue so that the PCUA had at the time. So uh, when, when I think of those first few people that I met, you are on the first, uh, you are on the top of the list.
1: Oh, that, that's pretty cool. Um, you were a pioneer in member business lending for credit unions so that that first initiative or what I like to call credit union member business lending 1.0 some of the larger credit unions in the Rocky Mountain states in California were maybe the leading edge but as we wound down the 90's and the clock turned into the 2000's Credit unions in the Mid-Atlantic region got interested in member business lending and were looking for resources. And at that time, the League Service Corporation. There were other CUSOs in play. Uh, like you said, you had a stop in in the credit union space, and then ultimately landed at the CUSO where you are. But those were those were fun and trying times. And I can remember many. Uh, a conversation with state regulators in the NCUA, uh, drawing a lot of skepticism about credit unions entering the MBL space.
0: Yeah, it, it was, you know, today the industry is so well-established, there's all sorts of systems and rules and, you know, things that are out there. Uh, heck, if you want a QSO so, there, there's, you know, you can Google up 20 of us to, to help out. Um, but but back then it was Lewis and Clark of the Wild West just forging a path that just didn't exist. So it was uh, it was interesting times. It, it, it
1: was but if, I think it shows the resilience of credit unions and you can argue or look back and say some of those initial efforts were clumsy but, One has to start somewhere, and even though those efforts were quote-unquote clumsy, and I'm not being critical, it's just you're trying to start out, You, you make a set of assumptions, and here's what Credit Union X is going to do, or in other words, here's how we're going to put our toe in the water of commercial lending. Some of those are going to work out, but I think we can look at that track record and say there's always exceptions, but... I think MBL has enhanced the portfolios of credit unions, created opportunities for earning assets, and it's not been a safety and soundness problem.
0: When you look back, you, you have a, a lengthy credit union history. When you go look back 20, 25 plus years, what surprises you today that, that you would have never thought way back when?
1: two things. One, we just touched on the evolution of member business lending. When I first entered the credit union space in 1992, it was all about consumer lending. There were some credit unions that were good at mortgages. However, Home mortgages were not common across the board. That has evolved very well through the use of third parties and QSOs as well. But member business lending, I'd say we're up to 2.0 or 2.5. You can argue with me. You know more about that space than I do. But we certainly have a strong niche in that area. I think the other thing that surprises me Maybe it shouldn't surprise me, but in 1999, Congress repealed the Glass-Steagall Act and banks, the separation of commerce and banking is stripped away. Banks and insurance companies and other commercial firms can merge and you have the the J.P. Morgan chases of the world now. And you could argue that those enhanced powers put credit unions at a competitive disadvantage. But our resilience, if you think about institutions that grow net worth by set asides of earnings, serving a a, a field of membership, and, and our resilience is truly remarkable. And I think it one, it shouldn't be taken for granted and it should always be
0: celebrated what surprises me the biggest when when i look back into 20 plus years the biggest piece that surprises me and the biggest shift is that i think the people have become much more deeper experts and specialists in different areas as opposed to i felt like when i got into credit unions their people were jack of all trades generalists. And and you knew a little bit about everything. You knew how you you worked the teller line, you did loans, you did the back office, and, and a lot of the you know and a lot of the CEOs were 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 generalist. Whereas now I think you're high, like people get a lot more deeper into one or two areas as opposed to hey i'm going to learn every single aspect of the credit i think part of that is size and complexity of what we deal with today as opposed to you know 20 30 years ago
1: i think that's right there's definitely been an increase or enhancement in expertise and specialization and you're exactly right The needs, our ability to be as resilient, as I mentioned, I think is an outgrowth of that specialization. For example, as we mentioned, we maintain capital by setting aside earnings. So your management team's finance and the executive suite are using third-party vendors where necessary to do your asset liability management and structure the portfolio to generate earnings, maintain adequate levels of, of capital, uh, it's, it, it, it's quite the chore. And to your point, you're not gonna achieve that
0: without the expertise that you described so let's pivot a little bit and talk uh some some compliance and and your world today and 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 what's new and what's upcoming now as we record this and the show drops there's going to be a shift in regul some some regulations that i don't fully understand uh, regarding memberships and the boards and what credit unions can do give people the the and and i I don't think we've they've actually done too well in terms of publicizing this so give people out there a rundown on what's happening with regards to uh regulations regarding uh members who may not be acting nice okay
1: (laughs) uh right the naughty the, the naughty and nice list so in a nutshell Come August 25th, a new NCUA rule will take effect that allows a credit union to expel a member for cause, quote unquote, hold that thought for a second, um, without the need for a special meeting. There's a whole lot of other requirements that go along with this and we'll, we'll hit those briefly in a second. Let me offer you some context and I'm not saying that our experience with client credit unions through the CUSO was the genesis of this rule, but I think the listeners are going to hear some of these war stories and, and light bulbs are going to go off and then they can see how the tool might be helpful. I would say starting in October of 2022, through July of this year. At C4CU, we've experienced a significant increase in the number of times our members or our participants are asking us for help with a difficult member. And difficult member could be just someone who gets a little angry, raises their voice, all the way to someone gets belligerent or threatening in the branch law enforcement is called and you're taking other action and then there's behavior that's that's in between
0: and yeah, rick it, rick it's interesting as i listen to you i you know i can think of the far extremes where they're like oh yes and then i can think of Oh, oh, a high-profile credit union and one of the big ones where the old CEO was very publicly questioning and on a kind of a campaign against the new management, uh, which may which happens actually more than it should. Um, you know, I don't think the credit union should do this. I don't like this, you know, so... So which I guess unruly is that depending on what side of the table you're on. So Well,
1: right. And you you hit on another poll which is we don't necessarily have shareholder activism in the credit union space, but your points well taken. The the former CEO who doesn't like the new direction and maybe they show up at the annual meeting, maybe there's a modest membership dissident group that opposes a merger that that activity is not necessarily covered by this rule, but it's but it's certainly a challenge. Um, you know, that said, what what the new member expulsion rule gives you the opportunity to do is it's it's another tool in the toolbox, without the clumsiness of existing rules where. We've got a member, and he or she is off the chart with whatever the behavior is. And let's let's tackle what four cause is. The person who abused their overdraft privileges, or their account is negative, or their loan is delinquent, you're not likely to use the four cause expulsion rule. But when behavior reaches a different level for example we were working with a client about 18 months ago where a member the credit union was taking legitimate collection action the member didn't like it and would leave foul voicemail messages at the call center using the seven words you can't say on radio or television as chronicled by George Carlin. Nobody should have to put up with that. Or we've had an, witnessed an increasing number of folks get in the branch. They get really angry. Uh, I had one about five months ago where a member stormed out and said, I could shoot that manager. Now, we don't think that that was a live threat, but that credit union, and rightly so, reported that activity to the police. I helped them write a letter to say, you're not to come in branches anymore. If you do so, it's a trespass, and we're calling law enforcement. The only way you're doing business with us is by telephone. Now, you put something that, threatening into context. That would fall under the four cause portion of the rule. And if the credit union adopts the policy and bylaws recommended by the NCUA, the board of directors could expel that member. The hook is, if you want to use the new expulsion authority, that member has to be given notice that they're going to be expelled and they have to have an opportunity to be heard i don't want to use the word hearing but for simplicity's sake by opportunity to be heard you send the notice of expulsion then the member has 60 days to request a quote-unquote hearing and basically the credit union would need to decide how are we going to deal with these issues how are they going to how is the member going to present his or her side of the story before the board i would suggest not allowing such a person to come on site that they you schedule a zoom meeting or a teams meeting you present the reasons why you're going to expel the person give them two or three minutes to explain their side of the story and then the board makes a final decision
0: so yeah that that just seems like a lot cleaner uh it, it seems it's fair to the member And you don't have to have special elections to uh, remove one member of a hundred thousand, or yeah, hundred thousand member credit union, which seems uh, a a bit outdated and wasn't designed. uh, The rules were not designed for today's world of larger credit unions and uh, and pieces like that. So that that's interesting.
1: I, I think that's exactly right. The other thing, the idea of having a special meeting in this day and age where privacy rights are so jealously advocated so it it's it defies common sense we're going to have a special meeting of the membership to talk about member a's personal business and that's why i'm not aware of any credit union that has utilized a special meeting and uh, you know my cohorts in the legal and compliance space we certainly don't recommend using special meetings for that purpose because of privacy protections
0: yeah this is not the game of Thrones days where we bring people (laughs) through the streets for a public hearing where the uh, emperor lifts thumbs up or thumbs down with the immediate execution so
1: right the shame walk
0: right <laughs> yes this is not the walk of shame or yes so you're in a in an industry in a world in the compliance area now I think you we will take this with the way it's intended if I have you know if if we sit around and want to have a CD special or talk about Loans, uh, you know, we're gonna do this. Okay, I'm gonna make this much money, and uh, you know, your world is a little more nebulous with regards to return on investments, and it's also changing quite a bit. Where you know, it's a lot more. There's a lot more complex micro issues, and and, and I hate to say that they're not coming up with less regulations every year. It's usually more. Uh, with quite a bit more, you know, what when when so, when you talk to a credit union, what's your overall guidance with them for what to do all internally, which can be very expensive to to manage and staff up to keep with, versus seeking help outside. What's the balance, and and what do you talk with them about why why that's important?
1: So. Good question, and I think the key word in your question is nebulous uh, because the compliance world and trying to balance it, I I like to say when I'm doing presentations, it's like trying to nail a piece of jello to the wall. So I can understand a credit union's desire to hey, we have our internal staff, be they called compliance, risk management, quality control, what have you. That's our investment. There are resources from the trade groups and and other resources. That's the extent of our investment. We're concerned about, about growth. I would argue that our value proposition is we're an extra set of eyes, hands, and ears to help with those more complicated compliance lifts that you described, put some of that burden on us. We are less expensive than hiring bodies, and we, we can show that use of us would make you less reliant on law firms or, or, or other sources, uh, and, and, and we make it a goal to be accessible. Uh, to your point about how much do you do internal and how much do you do externally, it's a judgment call, obviously, for each credit union, and you've got to answer that honestly. Well, what's the capacity of my team and what's on their plate? What are our goals? And there are some things that you're just naturally going to outsource. Just about everyone outsources at least one function of their bankruptcy anti-money laundering policy, which is monitoring the OFAC list. Um, Most credit unions are going to be very reliant on the vendor to maintain that OFAC check, and it it makes perfect sense. You cannot have staff, every time you go to account opening, run some kind of, algorithm to check that OFAC list there's got to be an automated way to do that however interest rates are rising or doing whatever they're doing we credit union a wants to launch a CD promo and have it on the street by September 1 here's the content of the promo we want to launch and be ready i think that's where a, an outsider can be very effective in terms of meeting your deadlines and and I picked that example
0: not not by accident. We've seen a lot of that in the past three months. And, Rick, what I sometimes see is the mistake that people make is, you know, they they'll hire somebody maybe internally or externally. And many times there's a set of procedures internally and they learn their job. But what they don't know is are all of those procedures correct? Are they passed down from person to person and they changed a couple years ago? So, and and it's tough sometimes for individual staff members to keep up holistically on such a complex industry. And in those lines, like where do you see you know, your world changing or what are the hot buttons topics or or things that that those top items that people really need to be aware of coming up in the next year or two or just items to monitor?
1: Sure. So really quickly to your point, you have a compliance team, quality control, what have you. They have a set of procedures. Things have been done a certain way for the past five years and it's comfortable. In our role, we try... We'll try not to upset that apple cart, but we'll call it out if, if we see, if we see a problem and what we bring to the table is we have the time because it's our job to do the deep dive into a proposed regulation or um, something that's new coming down the pipeline because that staff at the credit union Yes, some are charged with compliance, but ultimately what's, what's their main mission member service. We have to open the checking account. We have to provide the loan. As for the hot button issues, there's a, there's a lot coming. And so I thought I'd narrow this down to, um, maybe three broad areas, the regulation of overdraft, the CFPB is not done with that. And The plaintiff's bar is not finished bringing class action suits over charging overdraft fees or multiple NSFs on re-presentment. So that's something that credit unions will always need to be mindful of. UDAP or unfair deceptive acts or practices, I would say almost every calendar quarter, the CFPB adds a nuance to what type of transaction or what kind of business practice could be a UDAP compliance issue. And that's, there's a really good example of trying to nail a piece of jello to the wall. Uh, and, and how we coach up the credit unions is, um, I don't mean this to be a snarky slogan, but so be it. Disclose what you do, do what you disclose. That, that's your best defense to the evolution of UDAP. And then from there, we can tackle the nuances. I think something that you're going to notice in the MBL space, but In a year or two it's going to be reality for all credit unions there's going to be legal and political upheaval over cfpb's rule on small business uh, loan data collection i see that the banker groups from texas and kentucky have challenged the rule there's a stay a limited stay on enforcement but i think i think the scope of that That stay or that injunction is going to be broader fairly soon, while there's a case going in front of the Supreme Court addressing whether the funding structure of CFPB is constitutional. However, I just think there's going to be challenge after challenge over that, whether you want to call it Rule 1071 or the small business lending data collection, it is a It's an onerous role there. uh, I I don't think the first draft of the rule by CFPB is particularly helpful. And uh, it's an open public policy question, uh, uh, whether it has any utility.
0: Yeah, I I really, you know, I've always kind of had that joke uh, people ask about compliance in the commercial lending space. Well, I said, well, there's virtually none other than some, uh, you know, some broad general reg B type of issues. Uh, you know, d- if it feels good, do it. But, uh, <laughs> I think that's going to, uh, really quickly come to an end. So, so Rick, you must have, uh, in, in your stories, uh, You know when when I when I different people in the risk management business, I always like to ask them. You know, without naming the names, uh, give me one of your wackiest stories or something. You know, really's kind of gone awry for a credit union when maybe they don't make the focus of compliance or keeping up with the regs important. Like, uh, what 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 can happen? Give me give me your worst one doomsday story. I don't know if I have a true.
1: Doomsday, but good examples. Let's put it this way: things that things that you might not want to ask your compliance officer. Um, if you if you start a conversation with "Should we have done it that way?" the answer is probably no. Um, <laughs> some some other things that will make you chuckle. As you know, the credit union space is very collaborative. We will share policies. We will share procedures. Okay, that's great. However, if you if your neighbor lets you borrow a policy or procedure before you hand it to an examiner, please take the other credit union's name off of the policy <laughs> or procedure.
0: <laughs> I have seen that, yes, that in the business lending policies, everybody wants to just take somebody else's policy and uh, it doesn't go well many times.
1: Uh, yeah, and i've I've also seen it with CEO employment contracts. Those are confidential for a reason. If you're going to share some basic terms, take out the personal information. Uh, I've seen, you know, I have to say NCUA is not as granular with consumer protection and disclosure issues as CFPB. That will change over time. And the, these examples aren't as funny, but you can you can see that they can spell trouble because of the nitpickiness, if you will, of the regulation, and then how statutory liability can attach. So for example, um, home equity disclosures. Please keep, if you do adjustable rate home equities, please keep your rate tables up to date because uh, I've seen one where, somebody's about 10 years out of whack and there's there's really not a good way to fix that um, can it result in harm in the end there's there, there's always the risk of reg Z statutory liability but it's something like that's really a conversation that you that you don't want to have and uh, just from a how do I want to say it If a credit union, you're undergoing an an examination or an audit, and you want to demonstrate that you have your risk management, your compliance management system in place, making sure that those basic disclosures are, are, are given and are accurate really helps you lead an exam or audit team in the direction you want to go, because once they see one or two glitches, then that exam team is gonna start questioning everything else.
0: So Rick, uh, let's wrap it up here and and tell people a little bit of of who's a good uh, client to talk to for compliance for credit unions and how they can get in touch with you if they wanna talk a little bit more. Okay, anyone's happy to check with
1: our, our references. So I mentioned our owners are Freedom Credit Union, Sun East, and Belco. So you can reach out to any of your friends and colleagues at those credit unions, and uh, I expect they will tell you great things about us. Uh, I'm, our, our website is compliance, the number four, creditunions.com. Uh, my email is wargo.r@compliance. at compliance.com. The number four, creditunionsplural.com,
0: and uh, we'd be happy to discuss your needs. Rick, I've learned a lot on this one. I've enjoyed the conversation. It was great catching up with you and, and poking a little fun at the old Penn State uh, pit <laughs> rivalry, and, and, and we can all agree that we want to see West Virginia lose, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so good good luck in the in the backyard brawl. You know, old fogies like you and I remember the days when Pitt Maryland Penn State
0: Syracuse were independents and that was fun yes. football to watch. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for the audience to joining us today. And thank you uh, to my guest, Rick Wargo of Compliance for Credit Unions. Check out their website and then feel free to connect with them to learn a little bit more. And we will be dropping episodes every two weeks on a Tuesday. But just go ahead and subscribe to us on your favorite audio platform to make sure they come right up in your feed. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.